Hey guys, welcome to our time together today. It is Holy Week and we are um, going to be looking at a couple uh, passages um, in, in this week's, uh, in, the, in today's um, conversation here. Um, so this is, so the Wednesday, Wednesday reading, so this is from Luke chapter 20 and Luke chapter 22. Now we were in yesterday we were we were in the uh, um, where Jesus was interacting with the Sadducees and the Pharisees and talking about the resurrection and, and different things and um, and then at the end of the conversation um, they said the scribes and Pharisees no longer dared to ask him anything publicly again um, just because of the way that they that Jesus had responded um, in a way that left him speechless. Uh, and so this is a, a way, this, is, this, this passage is at the very end of Luke chapter 20. This is uh, 41 through uh, 47. It says this, Then he said to them, How can they say that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool." David calls him Lord. How then can the Messiah be his son? Um, so interesting that, you know, you don't, you don't see the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, even in this little passage, even though it's addressed to the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, almost like kind of, you know, they're walking away and you know, this is like Jesus says, yeah, yeah, you better run, you know, kind of thing as he's sending them away. Um, basically like the way that they understood the Messiah, um, they didn't really understand the Messiah. And Jesus was showing them they didn't understand the Messiah. And, uh, and so this is Jesus' way of, of showing, you know, because they believe that he would be from the line of David. And, uh, and so he would be, on, you know, sit on David's throne. But in essence, so, you know, this son or descendant of David and asking, you know, asking them, well, if he's the son of David, then how and how and why does David himself call this man Lord? So David is both the father of, but also in submission to this Messiah uh, that, they're, that they're talking about here. Um, now, the second the second passage is basically I didn't. So Jesus goes on to oh, let me read those last couple, last few verses. While all the people were listening, he said to the disciples, "Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who love greetings in the marketplaces." The best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They they devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive harsher judgment. Now, it's interesting to, to note that this is where Jesus kind of takes on this, this posture, um, this critical posture of the Sadducees and Pharisees. Now, before, he had basically just been responding to... Uh, to you know, to their their questions or their uh, arguments or their their threats or you know, whatever, their their confrontation with Jesus, he had been responding to them with words of correction and words um, of of wisdom and knowledge that he had and he had authority, like he was you know these author this authoritative teaching that he would give, um, and so we start to see unraveling. Uh, we start to see, especially like in Matthew. Oh my gosh, like Matthew, Jesus just goes kind of goes nuts. Um, like you would think that you were reading a different kind of Jesus. Um, just the way that this week he just takes this critical posture of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You know, calling them brood of vipers. Woe to you. 
cursed are you? He basically starts cursing them and, and, and all these things. And this is where he starts this. He's going to, I wouldn't say starts, but this is where he gets, gets into this posture during this, this last week of his time on, on earth uh, before he goes to the cross. And he, he starts the warning. He says, beware. Now, beware of the scribes who want to go around in the long robes and who love greetings in the marketplaces and best seats in the synagogues and places of honor and banquets. He's basically like saying, y'all, this don't do this. Like, look at these people. Look at these hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. Uh, not in this passage, but a, a, a bunch of time elsewhere, he calls them hypocrites. Um, and here comes, here comes my family. Uh, he calls them hypocrites. Um, and so he's in this posture of, um, <laughs> say hi. Um, he, he basically takes on this posture of, of criticism. Now, but here's the thing. There's a difference between being one who criticizes in certain areas and being a critic. Um, you know, an identity of being a critic is different than being critical in certain situations. Um, and so uh, Jesus in this moment is not being a critic. I want to make sure that you understand that. He's not being a critic. He is being critical um, in this moment. Now, and so he is being the Messiah. He's calling the shepherds out. He's calling the shepherds out of in Jerusalem, the ones who are shepherding God's people, the ones who are shepherding um, the, you know, the, in, the, in the temple and the synagogues. Um, Jesus is, is the great shepherd, um, all from you know, fulfilling all of scripture. And, and he's correcting and being critical of these false shepherds that are in here and basically abusing, you know, using and abusing the sheep. And so Jesus is now taking on this posture. If you read uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew 24, you know, 23, 24, 25. Uh, and, and you see this, you know, this, this, this very confrontive and critical posture that Jesus has against the, the, the these religious rulers, these false shepherds um, of, of Israel. And so, um, and you know, read that in, in, in Matthew, uh, the, at the end of Matthew's chapter here. Uh, and so many, he talks about you know, the destruction of Jerusalem, the coming of the Son of Man, uh, the need for being watchful. Um, but then, he, then all this results um, in, the, in, uh, in chapter 22 with, uh, with, this, with these priests, the chief priests and the scribes and everything. This is uh, 22 uh, verse 1. Uh, the festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death because they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priests and the temple police how he could hand him over to them. They were glad and agreed to give him silver. Um, or, or, you know, money, goods. He, uh, so he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. So all of these things that Jesus was doing, all of these things, I'm sorry, that the, that the, the chief priests and the scribes, now the chief priests were mostly Sadducees. So this is mainly the Sadducees and the scribes uh, coming, you know, coming against Jesus in the legal courts, and so then, and the Pharisees were probably most likely a part of this, uh, you know, behind the scenes, and, and you know, being a part of the fray of, of encouraging people to rise up against Jesus. Um, but you know, using their position 
um, to come against Jesus in secret because they knew that they didn't, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't just like, you know, publicly stone someone for heresy because Jesus hadn't been preaching heresy or blasphemies um, in, in, according to the actual law, according to their traditions. Yes. But the only way that you could actually stone someone in their culture was in, in the Jewish culture was to, you know, have, you know, be preaching heresy and blasphemies. Um, and as you see later, uh, later in Acts, in the book of Acts, um, you see where Stephen gets stoned to death because he's preaching heresy and the Romans don't step in. And so they become a lot more, Im, Im, you know, emboldened uh, to, to take matters into their own hands and to stone people who be they believe are being heretics. Uh, but in this position, they wanted to be very political. They wanted to be very, in essence, kind of by the more by the book, you know, by the you know, proverbial traditions of men book. Um, but um, this is where they start to plot against Jesus because they don't have any religious grounds to kill him. So they're trying to go behind the scenes and, and to plot and, you know, and, and trying to put together this whole scheme to get Jesus killed. Um, and who is it that they, you know, what, what, who's the catalyst? You know, Satan enters into Judas called Iscariot, who was numbered among the, the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priests and temple police how they could how he could hand him over to them. Uh, and they were glad and they agreed to give him silver uh, money. Um, accepted, the, accepted the offer to, and, the, and, and looked for, began looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when a crowd was not present. So Judas Iscariot, one of the closest people to Jesus, keeper of, of the money purse. Um, we don't know why. There, there's been there's speculation. You know, maybe he was trying to push things along. You know, maybe he, you know, Satan entered into him and convinced him because again, they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. So maybe this was outside of who of the character of, of Judas. Maybe Judas didn't want to betray Jesus, you know, himself, but he was then possessed by the ultimate evil person being Satan, uh, evil being you know, named Satan, namely Satan. Um, and so maybe this wasn't Judas and maybe that's why he killed himself afterwards was because he felt like he was being controlled. He was possessed. He couldn't help himself. We don't know. I, 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 I could not tell you why Judas did this, except for the fact that, that you know, were told that Satan entered into Judas. He possessed, took up possession of Judas. Um, and so there's a lot of questions around this, you know, um, but, you know, we know that this was a great betrayal. Uh, this was a great betrayal, not just by Judas, but even thinking about even Satan. Think about Satan. Satan was created by God, and Satan wanted to be God, and he and he ultimately had first and foremost betrayed God in heaven, and he was cast down from heaven, um, <coughs> and you know cast down from his position. Um, and you know, cast out with the, with, the, with you know about a third of the angels also fell with them, um, and so we see that ultimately, first and foremost, that the great betrayal was by Satan, and this reflects in Jesus, God being betrayed by one of his closest disciples, Judas, and God being betrayed by one of his his closest beings, closest followers, Satan from the beginning, and so. Uh, you know, seeing this this you know, this this connection between that, um, and and the question that this one says is, it, it is sometimes hard to be a disciple of the truth and the way. Sometimes we want Jesus to do what we want or act the way that we feel he should. 
um, think on this and how that led Judas astray. Because um, like I said, maybe Judas was, you know, part of, Ju part of it, it was part of Judas wanting to betray Jesus. And it's not so much to betray him, but to get him to work. Like to get, you know, Jesus, right, you know, you're taking too much time here. Like this is a great opportunity. Let's go. Let's get you arrested so that you can maybe, you know, show your power and like, you know, overcome this and like, boom, you know, cast down, you know, call down your angels. And now the kingdom is going to, you know, come and, you know, and the Romans will be defeated and we'll have the Messiah that we've been waiting for. Almost like trying to like, you know, steer Jesus to become the kind of Messiah that they had all had always envisioned the, 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 the Messiah being versus the true Messiah that Jesus was, was truly being and using this betrayal to be the Messiah that he was called to be, which is the suffering servant, dying on the cross in our stead for our sins, um, to, to purify us and, and annihilate our old nature, our sinful nature, and you know, dying with, you know, and us dying with him so that we would live to God and live in the newness of life, become a new creation, filled with this Holy Spirit, uh, and walking by faith, walking by the Spirit, walking in freedom, walking in the newness of life, as says Romans 6. Um, and so the kind of Messiah that maybe Judas was even trying to make Jesus was a false Messiah to, to him. It was not the truest expression of what the Messiah was supposed to be, but it caused Jesus to become the truest Messiah of who he was called to be. And so as we think on that today, and you know, in a couple of days we will celebrate the crucifixion, the death and burial uh, of Christ, and uh, and then course Sunday morning celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ um, think about that you know how have we wanted God to be be the Messiah that we wanted him to be in our lives versus the kind of Messiah that he was called to be are we offended by his words or are we enlivened by his words are we impassioned by his words are we inspired by his words um, and so as we, as we think on that um, think about what does that look like for us to be a minister of that, to be a minister of the Messiah. We are yeah, he was our he was and is our Messiah, and we are his followers. We are the we are followers of the way, the truth, and the life. Whether it's convenient or easy or comfortable or not, um, and so what does it look like to be an ambassador for that in our world in our culture? Um, as we as we look as we as we anticipate it and, and are are moving forward to remembering his his death on the cross um, on, on Friday and always keeping in mind Sunday Sunday's coming the new day of the week new day new life um, but and so think on that as we think about um, the words that Jesus spoke and the words that he is calling us to to walk and live in whether it's easy, comfortable, uh, or, or convenient or not. So we'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good day. Bye.